there's so much blessing in the brokenness because that's where we find the intimacy and the love of Christ that we can't find in any other place. Well, hello and welcome to the Meet Me and Isaiah podcast. My name is Marnie Clark. I am your host, and I am so thrilled to welcome Ann Adams to our show today. Ann is founder of A Blessed Womb, which is an organization that brings women together who struggle with infertility. She wrote a book by the same name, A Blessed Womb, and today she shares with us out of Isaiah 6. And that is the chapter that focuses on the calling of Isaiah. Well, I'm so excited to be here with my friend, Ann Adams, and I'm so grateful to Christy, who I work with at at Beacon People, for just urging me to get this book called A Blessed Womb. And I, she said, it doesn't matter that you're not struggling with infertility. It really is a book for everybody. And I could identify reading it with just general brokenness, grief that I've experienced personally, and it just, it really touched me. And of course, the first page that you open to, it, it talks about, or it has the verse written out, Isaiah 58, 11, which is such a beautiful verse. And I'm so excited to get to open up Isaiah with you, Anne. Oh, me too. I'm thrilled. And so, of course, I assumed, I'm like, okay, so what do you want to see? I'm thinking, what do you want to say about Isaiah 58, 11? But, and you've got another verse that, that you're going to talk with us about That's today. Right. Um, Isaiah never fails. Never, <laughs> never disappoints. Um, you know, I think that a characteristic about Isaiah that I love is his word or his name literally means the Lord saves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when God called him to be a prophet, he was really asking him to be a mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. That's really what the prophets were. Mm. And um, one thing I loved about Isaiah was he was really of a higher status. He was very influential and mm-hmm. um, he prophesied to kings as well as the people of Judah primarily. But what I love about him was that I think that deep down Isaiah had a heart for the downtrodden and the broken. Mm. And, um, you know, really that's what God's heart is, yeah. is people. He yeah. loves people and he loves his people in creation. Um, and so uh, Isaiah, you know, even comparing to the context of today, Isaiah was in a position where he didn't have to be mindful of those who were beneath him. Yet mm. his heart was broken by the same thing that broke God's heart. And that's the cries and the suffering of his people. That is such a beautiful perspective. I've never thought about that. Oh, yes. Um, and With his status, yeah. that he did not have to enter in. Exactly. The way Jesus did, of course. And it also probably was not popular. You mm. know, it wasn't the cool thing to do. Prophets weren't really popular. No, 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 no. <laughs> Especially what God called Isaiah to do mm. <laughs> and say. Mm. You know, Isaiah, I love how, you know, with it, like you've said before, with it being the first part judgment and the last part just wonderful grace and redemption it's like if it were just a book like any book like like if I had to get through half of blessed brokenness and it was nothing but 
brokenness and I would just be I, I probably wouldn't be able to keep reading. Oh, so I'm yeah. so glad we know some of them. Yeah. <laughs> we tend to pick out the verses we like toward the exactly. end of Isaiah and put them on. You don't see a lot of the first side of Isaiah on little, you know, Absolutely. cute Canva pictures on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Um, and, you know, I think one thing I love, too, is that Isaiah knew from the beginning that his ministry would not be accepted by his people. Mm. He knew it was going to be a flop in his day. And God really warned him of that from the beginning, yet he was obedient. And he stepped into that. And, you know, he was willing to step beyond himself, his status, and, you know, what later became his life. Um, Because history has him recorded as being a martyr and being sawed in half. Yeah. For all of his prophecies. Yeah. You know, you say things that people don't want to hear long enough and they have the power to do that. That's what happens. Yeah. Um, Man, I mean, can you imagine? I'm like thinking of it, of course, in terms of myself, because, you know, that's what we are, selfish mm-hmm. creatures. But I'm like, so if God were to say, you know, I want you to have this Meet Me and Isaiah podcast and it's going to be an absolute failure like no one's gonna listen to you mm-hmm. <laughs> now I mean it's like when I go okay I'm gonna joyfully do this I'd be like what are you oh yes I, I call that um God relieves us from a burden of knowledge yes. because if we knew what was going to happen in the midst of what we're being called into mm-hmm. we likely won't go into it because yeah. you know in that moment we don't have the grace that will be required yeah. for the hard parts mm. Um, but there's so much blessing in the brokenness, um, because that's where we find the intimacy and the love of Christ that we can't find in any other place, you know? So if anyone knows that it's definitely Isaiah, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, Isaiah 58, 11 has been kind of an anchor verse for many seasons of my adult life. When God says through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord will guide you always, and he'll satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and he will strengthen your frame. We will be like well-watered gardens, like a spring whose waters never fail. Um, and there have been many times in my life, especially recently, where I've just had to grasp that truth, even though the evidence of my circumstances don't reveal that at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And oftentimes we have to grasp truth in the middle of something where it seems like a complete lie. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's why Isaiah 58, 11 is in the front of a blessed womb, but preempting to that part where God uses us and um, he will sustain us and strengthen us. The Lord put it on my heart to really talk about that moment of just humility and call of Isaiah in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked about his status and he had every reason to be arrogant and Mm -hmm. haughty given his audience and given who surrounded him. But I think that there are these subtle things in the scriptures that we normally will just fly by and don't catch. Mm -hmm. But if you notice, Isaiah doesn't begin with his call. He doesn't begin with God saying, hey, Isaiah, you know, come and say these things for you. He actually begins with the condition 
mm-hmm. of the people he is speaking to. And, you know, we think of prophecy as, oh, well, they're fortune telling and they're looking into glass ball mm-hmm. and they're talking about the future. When in reality, the majority of prophecy is really God speaking through someone to the people before them in their time and mm-hmm. their place. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, a lot of moments in Isaiah, the things that he brought forth didn't come into fruition until much, much, much hundreds of years later. Yeah. But what a cool way, rather than, hey, let's talk about me mm-hmm. and what God has called me to do because I'm so special. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about why and what and where and who and why is this necessary that God speaks through me for it? Mm. You know? Yeah. I've never really thought about that either. Um, so you know, that's what's really cool as far as just where kind of he puts himself in the mix. Is you can tell that there is a servant heart there. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes when I step into either a word study or book study, I like to kind of, it's almost like I want to immerse myself in what's going on Mm -hmm. why did this happen where are we and you know at this point the entire kingdom of israel is split Mm -hmm. and we have the northern kingdom which is 10 tribes and they have rebelled against judah and against god and then we have judah which is the southern kingdom and that's just the tribe of judah and benjamin Mm -hmm. and they are supposed to be the ones who remain true to God. But that's exactly what Isaiah is speaking into Mm. is the fact that they really have lost sight of the heart of God and the story and the truth of the story and the beauty of the story that's been written Mm. um, and what God calls us into. And I think oftentimes we can get in this legalistic idea that, you know, God is up there just, wagging his finger at us saying, I made you do what I say, when in reality, God is saying, I made you and I love you. And I know your design. I know what you were created to do. And I love you so much. I want to invite you back into that. Mm. And I really believe from the moment that Adam and Eve took that bite, that has been his heart's cry is just come back to me. Mm-hmm. However you are, in whatever condition that is, just come back to me. Isaiah 30. Yes. Returning and rest. Oh, love Isaiah 30, 15. Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. repentance and rest mm-hmm. is your salvation. Mm-hmm. Just come back. Yes. And then it goes on to say, I'm just waiting to have compassion. Uh, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, when, when we kind of immerse ourselves in the heart and the compassion of God, um, and why he feels the need to say these things through Isaiah, then the harshness of the judgment, it should sting and it should taser us. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we realize the compassion in the heart of why God is saying what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so Judah has just lost sight of God's people that which he loves Mm -hmm. and they have abandoned the alien, the orphan and the widow. They haven't taken care of those who can't take care of themselves, which Mm -hmm. is the heart of God. Mm -hmm. Um, They, it's all about self ambition. It's about um, money and pride and, uh, you know, 
nothing that we experience today at all. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they have stepped into idolatry. Yeah. Um, which, you know, we all honestly do in some way, form of fashion, especially me. But the key is the repentance. Mm-hmm. And that's what Isaiah was calling them into. Come back, come back. Yes, exactly. Um, so, you know, that's really how he begins is talking about this rebellious nation and not necessarily rebuking them, but it's almost like he's holding up a mirror. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in chapter six is where we get to Isaiah's call. And so I want to go ahead first and foremost and say, this is probably like a conglomeration of a million different messages or books that I've read or... There's no way to attribute you know, oh, yes. to everyone who's so, that thing. Yes, there is no original thought here. Maybe a few, <laughs> but you know, and we'll point it out because it is far less than that. So <laughs> if you're hearing this and it is your material, congratulations, Imitation is the best form of flattery. That's right. It stuck. <laughs> it did what it was supposed to That's do. That's right. So, you know, I take notes in my Bible and I don't really know sometimes where they come from. So it's yours, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh, but, you know, Isaiah steps into his commission and yet again, something that we could just jump over and dismiss or just go, okay, it's the very first line is where he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. You know, I think that a lot of us, when we tell stories that are impactful or hard or struggle, we're not going to say a date. We're not going to throw out a random, you know, in 1986, I, we're going to usually tie it with a painful or an impactful moment, mm-hmm. you know, the year that my mom passed away mm-hmm. or the year we found out my husband had cancer mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, we're going to tag it to something that was life altering. Yeah. And that's exactly what Isaiah has done here. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, see, this begins with him setting the platform and the foundation that This was a broken, painful year. Mm -hmm. And this was one of the kings that Isaiah served. And what he's saying here is it was a rough time. Mm -hmm. I was in this raw, painful place. I was grieving someone that I looked up to, that I served, that was a good king to our people. Um, And, you know, he's laying the ground for, hey, we God has tilled the dirt of my heart, mm-hmm. you know, and everything is just fresh. Um, so we can really kind of feel and, and I guess put ourselves in that shoe of, okay, you know, I know exactly what he means. And I think that's what God wants us to do with his word mm-hmm. is relate. Yeah. Um, so, In the place of brokenness, when this begins, Isaiah has this incredible experience, which I think that that's why I've always believed that brokenness is such a blessing Mm -hmm. is because it pushes us beyond ourselves, like the God margin where we end Mm -hmm. and he begins where it's like, 
the breath that I have in my lungs is not the breath that I'm taking in. It's the breath he's breathing in because I almost don't know how to breathe anymore. Mm -hmm. I hurt so much. Um, And so he has this moment where he has a vision. They believe it was a vision in the temple. And he saw these beautiful burning beings, which were the seraphim. And he hears them say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Right out of the gate. I don't even think these words can begin to... I don't know, express or have the ability for our minds to conjure up an image mm-hmm. of the goodness and the beauty and the glory and the holiness of God. Um, but I think that, you know, that's what he's trying to show us. Yeah. I mean, it's like he could have spent pages and pages and pages oh, talking about that yes. vision, but instead he just said what the angels said. It was probably too much, yeah. like, too much to even get into. And other that's, than this is what the angel said. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it's so true. And you, I mean, that's a beautiful segue into where he went because I mean, I, I think he was so overwhelmed mm-hmm. that he just realized, I really think he was wrecked by not just his sinful nature, I feel like Isaiah was wrecked by the sinful nature of God's people in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was almost like he was stepping into that place with the burden of, man, we have really fallen away. Mm -hmm. And he, it wasn't just for himself. It was for all. Um, And what, I mean, such a humble approach. And he says, woe is me. I'm ruined Mm -hmm. for I am a sinful man with unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. I just think it's so just, he comes in and it's like he hits the floor. Mm -hmm. Um, And the beauty of that, when, when he says unclean lips, what he's talking about is, you know, the words that come up, out of our mouth a reflection of the condition of our heart. Mm-hmm. So what he's saying is unclean lips is that we are sinful beings. I'm a sinful being. Mm-hmm. And it's evident by what comes through my lips. Um, and I just think I love the poetry of Isaiah and how he depicts that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he goes on and I just think it's so cool how he feels so wrecked by his own pain and by his own unworthiness that not by his own power or strength does he make himself cleansed and worthy to be in the presence of God, mm-hmm. but God does it on his behalf. Yeah. When, you know, the seraphim goes and grabs the fiery coal that's normally on the altar on the day of atonement in the temple and he places it upon his lips. Mm. And at that point he says, your guilt's taken away and you're atoned for. It was so instant, instantaneous on his behalf. Mm -hmm. Sound familiar? Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Just come as we are. It's like, I mean, and and I won't, I'll put this in the show notes. It'd be too much to go into, but it's like, Zachariah Mm -hmm. three, it was the same thing. It was like, 
when Joshua came into the presence of God, that was immediately, I'm unclean. And right. it was put on this turban. Yes. And then Peter, when he would encounter Jesus and yes. he saw the miracle and he was in the presence of God, he said, get away from me for mm. I'm a sinful man. Yes. It's like it, he was in the presence of God. He knew it. And it was, the, it's the same reaction. And then Jesus, of course, called him. Yes. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. But we'll put all that in study on your own because we could go on forever. Absolutely. About that. But I just, I love it. Oh, yeah. I love and, it. You know, it kind of really shows the state of perspective mm-hmm. for everyone, for Zachariah, for Peter, for Isaiah. When we come in and all we can see is our sinful nature, mm-hmm. we are not seeing ourselves as God sees us. Um, and the reason why that is, is because we are not seeing God as who he truly is. And we can't see ourselves if we can't see our creator from a clear perspective. That's so beautiful. Because when Isaiah walked in, when Peter came forward, they said, I messed up. And God said, no, 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 you're not. You are mine. I created you, mm-hmm. but if it'll make you feel better, <laughs> love it. I will take this and put it on your lips and then we'll just call it even. Yeah. So, you know, he didn't do that because God needed that. He did that because Isaiah needed that mm-hmm. and Peter needed that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just is so there's so much underneath the text and there's just little hidden treasures. Like you said, we could go on and on and on. Absolutely. Um, but, this is the part that is just, ah, uh, it just wrecks me, is Isaiah saying, I heard the voice of the Lord say, whom shall I send and who will go for us? You know, what's beautiful about that question is God is not telling Isaiah what to do. Mm. God is inviting Isaiah to be a part of the beautiful story, broken, messed up, chaotic, but in the sovereignty of the God of the universe, it's beautiful. And that's what he does for us every day. He doesn't need us, Mm -hmm. but he loves us enough that he chooses to invite us to be a part of his story, not tell us. I'm so glad you brought that out. Because a lot of times people say, and and I said, you know, as you grow in your relationship with God, you say, how do you know if it's God talking to me? How Mm. do you know? And you do start to get to know God's voice because he, he, that's him. It's I'm inviting you. Would you like to do this? Would you like, come, come closer. He's not manipulative and pressure. And this is who God is. Exactly. We're meeting him. Exactly. And, you know, same thing. If we don't see and know the character and the heart of God, how are we going to know his voice? Mm-hmm. It's something that we have to become familiar with. We and have to know that first. Yeah. You know, if people, if anyone here wants to know how you hear from God, there's this big, beautiful love story <laughs> <laughs> that we have the privilege to open up every day. Um, and when we do, his words come alive. Absolutely. You know, so 
that's how you hear from God. You read the Bible. <laughs> um, so, you know, he's inviting Isaiah into this. And just like Jesus, Isaiah could have just stood there and said, bloop, nothing. Mm-hmm. Jesus had a choice. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize that Jesus had the option to take the back door out of the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, Jesus knew what was going to happen, yet he chose to do it anyway. And that's the same mind thing. Mind-blowing. Like it's yeah. mind-blowing. Is Isaiah could have just stood there and not put his hand up. But Isaiah says, here am I, send me. I don't think that he, in that moment, had the head knowledge to be aware of what he was committing to and what he was saying yes to. Absolutely. But I think that he had the heart and he was so on fire with compassion and awe and the fearfulness of God, not afraid of God, but in awe of who God is in his presence, Mm -hmm. that it's like he almost said, I don't care. Mm. All I want is you and I want what you want. And he didn't qualify it. You notice he didn't say, well, mm, what, what exactly are you going to send me to do? I mean, where are we going? How long is this going to take? Um, you know, or how much is this going to cost? That would be my question. How much is this going to cost? <laughs> I, oh, yeah. yeah. I can imagine if you're in the presence of God, the answer is always yes. Yes. Um, and, you know, that's the beauty is God gives us the choice to say no. Right. But his answer was yes. And he said, here I am. Send me. You know, this, this passage is also spoken in several other places that it's very similar. Moses, burning bush. Moses. And <laughs> Moses says, here I am, Lord. Mm-hmm. Samuel, with a quiet whisper in his sleep. Samuel calls him by name every time. Mm-hmm. And they say, here I am. And, you know, I really believe this is something that we're called to do each morning. is say, Lord, here I am. Show me my assignment today. Show me the person that you love so much that needs to be embraced and to, to know who you are mm-hmm. and send me and make me aware of it. And that's really, you know, so applicable. It's not something that God only called Isaiah to do. He called us to do. Mm-hmm. And it's a privilege. Yeah. So, What's just crazy about this is he calls him into this and says, <laughs> essentially, Isaiah, the message I need you to take to the people is going to be really painful. And everything that's going to happen, it's not going to be so awesome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're never going to understand. They're never going to perceive and it's going to make their hearts hardened and calloused and it'll make their ears dull. Mm. And essentially it sounds like God was saying that he wanted them to be in a state of brokenness. Mm. The very place where Isaiah began this, you know, of of rawness and pain and tenderness where it's like, I got nothing left. Mm -hmm. I'm hurting. And it seems like God's people got beyond that. 
they were completely self-centered and sufficient and, you know, they didn't need God anymore. And unfortunately, oftentimes what gets us back to God is not the sparkles and the glitz and the glam. Mm -hmm. It's the muck and the mire and the pain and the struggle. And God had to allow his people to go into that. But he's so sweet and so compassionate. It's almost like he's giving them a heads up through Isaiah. Mm -hmm. Did the people listen? No. He tried. You know, Isaiah stepped into this ministry of judgment and just the coming of armies, both Assyria and Babylon, and fear and pain. Um, And he says a lot of people won't return from this. What amazes me is if God had said, after I just committed, here I am, send me, said, okay, I need you to go and tell them everything's going to fall apart and it's going to be miserable. It's going to be really bad. And, you know, come back to me because you're too full of yourself. I'd be like, hmm, (laughs) can we rethink that? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that would be really. Yeah. I I don't know. I would hope I would say yes, but hmm. I mean, Lord, just give us the grace. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I love the humanity that we see in Isaiah too, because after he says that, you know, essentially he'll bring them into this callous, broken place where let's be honest, that is the nourishing soil by which transformation occurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isaiah says, uh, okay, but for how long, Lord? You know, I it's it's it. almost like, okay, all right, maybe, maybe, maybe Isaiah asked a question. It's okay that I really want to ask a question. For six months. They're <laughs> not going to listen to you. Is there an end point? Um, but, you know, he goes on to say no, because the cities will lie in ruin, and there'll be no inhabitants, and the houses will be deserted, and the fields will be ruined and ravaged. The land will be forsaken. But... What I love about God is there's almost always, if not always, a but. But. But God. Mm-hmm. But hope. But love. And he says the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Mm. And, of course, if we don't enter into the context and the understanding of what that is, it's just like, well, there's another piece of destruction, just like the mm-hmm. verses above it. But the holy seed will be the stump in the land. See, the stump can actually become the breeding ground for new life. Mm. That there is a remnant that will remain or will return who hears the warning that I'm trying to give my people and who desire the heart of God, who are pure and righteous, like the people that God called before now, Abraham, Moses, Noah. Were they perfect? No. But did they love God with all their heart, Mm -hmm. with all their mind, with all their strength? They did. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's just this little hint of hope and redemption. And so in the story of Isaiah, in his beginning, 
we see someone who is broken, Mm -hmm. who's hurting and grieving, who is supposed to go and talk to a bunch of uppity people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, or the flip side of the coin or the people that are being ignored by the uppity people because the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. Mm-hmm. You know, he's supposed to go to the uppity people or he's supposed to go to these just desolate, broken, starving people and tell them what God has told him to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, a broken person speaking to broken people, you know, mm-hmm. and it's one thing to be sure of yourself and confident and standing before a platform with a microphone and saying this, but it's a whole new, can you imagine the impact when a broken person is speaking harshness, but hope mm-hmm. into other broken people and the ones that remained and came back were the ones who were broken and knew it. Yeah. Not the ones who refused to see it and admit it. Yeah. And then Jesus was hanging out with the broken. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, blessed are those who are brokenhearted, Mm -hmm. you know. Blessed are those who mourn. And in reality, it's not about, oh, well, blessed are the people who are sad. It's, Blessed are the people who are wrecked mm-hmm. by their sin, mm-hmm. who are wrecked by the slightest notion that their father in heaven grieves for our condition, but longs for us so much that he's willing to do anything mm-hmm. to bring us back. Mm-hmm. You know, when we really take that in and we realize, man, there's a sermon series um, that Miles Fidel does through Auburn Community Church called Wrecked by Grace. Mm. And it is, I mean, I've heard it so many times. I cannot pull myself together. <laughs> I still cry every time because that is the key is that we become wrecked by our sin, but also wrecked by the grace that God wants to freely give us yeah. to cover that. Yeah. And it's so immediate like Mm -hmm. we feel like we have to work our way back yes um but you think about like we're talking about Isaiah 30 again when he says he's just waiting Mm -hmm. and then as soon as he hears your cry you know you think I love with uh, Peter again I think I identify with Peter (laughs) Peter walking on the water and sinking and as you know he immediately grabbed his hand Mm -hmm. and and we just have this we have to know who God is. Yes. His compassion. So the judgment is scary, but it's not scary in Christ. Exactly. Exactly. And it's an indicator of a place in which we've gone astray mm-hmm. or we've moved away, whether mm-hmm. that's um, judgment or fear or anxiety or um, pain or whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. A lot of these are indicators where God is just standing in the center of this giant circle that we have chosen to go outside of. Mm -hmm. And he's waving his arms like that father waiting for us to come back, Mm -hmm. you know, and just yearning, but we have to choose to return. And, you know, normally what turns us around is our pain. 
I know. And I always want to think that there's another way. Mm. You know, like Jesus says, was, is there another way? Is there any other way we can do this? No. There's just not. And, you know, but that's, that's what's so amazing to me, too, is just because Jesus was the Son of God, part of the Trinity, um, the Savior of the world, we could go on and on. Yeah. Just because he was, it did not exempt him from the way in which he had to learn obedience, mm-hmm. which was suffering. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 5, 8 says that though he was the son, mm-hmm. he still had to learn obedience through his suffering. Mm-hmm. And the same is true of us. And it's not whether or not life will give us suffering or give us pain or struggle. Mm-hmm. It's when it does, because it will, what are we going to do with it? Yeah, because Jesus came out sinless. Yes. Never sinned, but still suffered. Yes. And, you know, God doesn't want us to come to him and disqualify ourselves from the grace that he freely gives. The key is God just wants us to come to him, Mm -hmm. however we are, and then let him cleanse us. But we don't Mm -hmm. have to get clean before we get there. Yeah. And that is the type of God we serve. So I have this amazing quote. I don't know who wrote it or said it. So kudos to you if it's you. But it says that pain is either a jail that imprisons or a school that empowers. Hmm. And I just feel like um, that just bolsters up so much of what my heart is, which is just the gifts in the brokenness and how the enemy wants us to run away from our pain or our brokenness or our struggles. And the just divine treasures we will find if we sit down in the middle of it and invite Jesus to be there with us in the midst, Mm -hmm. because it's so beautiful at the point where it, he he just steps into that fire. I'm glad you said that because I was thinking about that earlier about Isaiah 43. Mm. It's like when you pass through the waters, I will be, be with, with you. you. So he doesn't leave us. Never. Never. And you know how many times oh gosh, I've cried out that verse in Isaiah 43. God, you said mm-hmm. the waters will not overtake me. You said it feels like it. Yes, exactly. And that's the whole point is our feelings can't dictate the truth of who God is and what he says. Mm -hmm. Because nine times out of 10, our feelings lie to us. Mm -hmm. And they, (laughs) they only have the power to dictate the outcome of our circumstances if we allow them to. Mm-hmm. And that is such, that's sometimes hard to hear. It's like a spiritual tasering mm-hmm. of, wait a minute, you're saying it's my fault that things are so <laughs> bad. And it's not always about fault. Yeah. It's about, okay, now you're equipped with the knowledge of this and how the enemy is manipulating you. Yeah. So step into the power and the control that we have Yeah. and say, God, I'm broken. I'm struggling. But you are bigger than this. And you said you never leave me or forsake me. Mm-hmm. You said that you would walk through this fire and I wouldn't be burned. You would walk through this waterway with me. 
-hmm. and it will not sweep me away. And we just have to declare that until our head and our heart align. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to walk away from circumstances or moments or struggles with our our emotions and the truth not aligning, but also being okay with that because that's what faith is. Yeah. And he cares about our emotions. Yes. Which is just so wonderful. You know, and there, there's so many ways that the enemy tries to attack us in our pain. It's like, oh, this is your fault or... Um, and you address some of that in your book, but it's, it's like, this is your fault. Or if you do this, then you can get out of the, I mean, it's just like mm. you said, it's either that quote, it's either a prison, right? School, you know, school. Yeah. And the choice is ours. Yeah. Um, and it's belief. Yeah. It's like, do I believe, like you said, do I believe this even though. It's not a denial of our feelings, you know, it's like embracing that and bringing them to him. Well, it's covering, you know, he says he'll clothe us in righteousness. Mm -hmm. It's covering our emotions with the truth of his word and Mm -hmm. the truth of his promises. Mm -hmm. Um, Yet again, oftentimes it's a choice. It's a choice on our part. And I, you know, that's actually freeing because sometimes that feels like if you're in the middle of it, you're like, no, you don't understand. Exactly. This does not feel like a choice. Exactly. Does extend his hand to us. Yes. Every time. He's not, yeah, he's not run away. Exactly. He's not run away. We may not be able to see him, but he, he always extends and waits and calls. Yes. And, um, whatever fill in the blank. I mean, we've all been there, sometimes on a daily basis. But I think if we shift that question to, Lord, what are you trying to shift and change within me? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to melt away within me Mm -hmm. Um, so that I can come out of this a pure version of who you created to me to be? how I can come out of this looking more like Jesus mm-hmm. and less like me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. We go from glory to glory. Yes. Thank you so much for being with us. This has just been so wonderful. And I just, I just felt the Lord's presence with us and, mm-hmm. and just, I just, this was such a gift to me. So thank you for sharing your, your, pain and brokenness um, with us so that we could we could hear God's word from that place thank you so much for joining us today if you would like to get more information on a blessed womb ministry or to purchase Anne's book visit ablessedwomb.com. You know, they actually offer in-person and virtual groups and are in 24 states and over 100 cities. So this may actually be something that would help you or someone you know who is struggling with infertility. Don't forget to follow the Meet Me and Isaiah podcast so you get alerted to our future episodes and send us any questions or comments to info at meetmeandisaiah.com. <laughs>